The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio. The Voice of an Awakening World. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode with the magic of the spirit world and talking about love and what joins us all. I can't wait to get my guest on here, but I want to share with you a little magic from one of my readings this week, just to to start things off on a high vibe. I was bringing through a woman's son who had passed and I teach all of my mediumship students, go for the gold, those little differentiators that stand out that let your client, your sitter know, this is my loved one. And this young man in spirit, he stood here next to me in my room and he touched his lip and then he hooked his finger in his lip and made this little pouch. He didn't need to do anything else or say anything else. I absolutely knew telepathically, mind to mind, heart to heart with this guy. He chewed chewing tobacco as a habit. I shared that with his mom told her what he was showing me and she didn't say yes she didn't say no she threw her head back and said oh my god I hated that and it was just one of those beautiful moments when he chose just that thing that would let her know this is my boy he's still with us and that's the whole point of mediumship well my guest today knows all about that Vincent Jenna is a psychic medium but he's so much more than that and that's what we're going to dive into today he actually has his own show on this network with Unity Online Radio the show called Stop Stopping Yourself it airs Wednesdays at noon Eastern time but we'll let him tell you all about that Vincent thank you for honoring us today Oh, my gosh, Suzanne, it's such a privilege and an honor for me to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Well, I want to tell everybody that you and I finally had a chance to meet in person at the Soul Summit in Scottsdale last year, and I just loved your positive attitude. You had this this energy that really kind of stunned me. I'd seen you in videos, and and it's one thing to see somebody doing their thing on stage, but in just up in person, it was even more than that positive vibe. You truly care about people, and that's what just shined through. Oh, my gosh. And let me tell you something. Seeing your face in the audience looking up that energy, because we interrelate that way off of each other, especially as messengers and practitioners and helpers, and it was just so wonderful having you there. And we do have a lot of that stuff in common in the way that we help people and heal with love people from the other side, right? 
Absolutely. So you are, we're going to get into this more, but you're, like I said, so much more than a psychic medium. You have some degrees that allow you to actually do more of the more accepted human counseling. We'll talk about that, but you also help people to, to find their purpose and passion in life. But when I read your biography online and everybody, his wonderful website is vincentjenna.com. It was surprising to me that, you know, you're so upbeat, but the bio on your website speaks of a childhood that's anything but upbeat. Right. You want to start with your background and just take us right up to how you came into this work? Yeah, exactly, Suzanne. Well, I was one of those kids that was completely bullied until I was 17 years old. I mean, I was chased home from school every day. Um, When the kids caught me, they'd beat me up. And in school, they'd shove me in lockers and flushed my head in the toilets and threw me in dumpsters and, uh, you know, all of that graphic stuff. Um, And then, unfortunately, home life wasn't any safer because my mom had a lot of mental pathologies going on with her from her past. And she used to take that out on me. So I used to get beatings at home all the time. Uh, she was obsessive compulsive. So she did things with me that thought she it was absolutely necessary for health readings that were uh, reasons that were was completely unhealthy. Um, and then, of course, I'll go into the molestations that, uh, you know, a lot, so many people go through. So, yes, that was my youth. So Mm. it was very unexpected for me to become a spiritual psychic medium therapist. I wasn't expecting that at all. (laughs) Um, It actually wasn't until the guy who instigated the majority of my torment in school. He was the football jock and and the popular class clown. He used to get everybody to pick on me. Well, after our 10-year high school reunion, things completely reversed themselves. In the oh. beginning of my life, I used to be a professional actor, right? And I don't yeah. know if you knew this, but I was in the movie Grease. Okay? I knew, I found that out, and you still kind of have that shtick going, you know, with your hair kind of. You just have a little bit of that grease look, Vincent. (laughs) I I can't help it, Suzanne. I just got to, it's just this part of me, you know, it's just that old time part. Do something with my hair before it all falls out, you know? Um, I have to ask, what was your role in that movie? Well, actually, I was just a singer and dancer, and I'm throughout the entire movie in parts. Um, I actually wasn't supposed to be in the movie. I wasn't originally cast. I was cast as an alternate main dancer. They were choosing 10 male dancers, 10 female dancers. Those are the ones that you see in all the major um, dance scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I had gone to Hollywood uh, and asked them, can I come on the set that, since I'm an alternate and if you need me, I'll be right there. Um, just keep me in the background. And the choreographer said, well, I, you know, we can't pay you anything, but yeah, I can get you on the set. So I had gone on the set and just sat in the background while everybody else is rehearsing, right? But mm-hmm. it just so happens that Lorenzo Lamas, he's the guy who played the job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't make the first three weeks of rehearsal, okay? So they didn't know that. And then all of a sudden, they're like, okay, we need him um, over here. What are we going to do? And they, and the choreographer looked at me and said, okay, you're here. You want to stand in for him, but we can't pay you anything, but you want to help us out. Uh-huh. I said, absolutely. I worked my tail off. Oh, my God. Three weeks <laughs> of major rehearsing for that show. 
And there was no promise of anything. And then one day after he returned and I'm sitting back in the corner, the producer, Alan Carr, comes over and uh, he pulls me aside. And, I'm, you know, when Alan Carr entered the room, it was like, you know, God making a God, yeah. In, right. in Paramount Studios. And he said, um, I heard what you've been doing for this movie and I want to reward you for it. So I'm putting you in the movie. Um, we'll give you a contract as a featured dancer. You'll get residuals for the rest of your life. My goodness. And um, yeah, right. And uh, but we can't put your name in the credits or anything because that'll cost us extra money. We already completed <laughs> that. But you'll be in the movie. So I, I still re- receive residuals after forty years. Okay, wow. that's how old the movie is. It's like but a Cinderella story. <laughs> oh. I, I can't believe you just said that because when I went to my reunion, that's exactly what it was. They, all these kids, including the girls and the jockettes that used to pick on me, all sat at my table. I was oh. the star, right? Hmm. And they're like, oh, tell us the stories of Hollywood. And then hmm. this jock who tormented me, befriended me that night, gave me a hug and wouldn't let me go. And he wouldn't leave my table because he was feeling so bad as to how he treated me in school. But I never held it against them. So it was so easy for them to warm up to me. Well, he was the catalyst for all the gifts that I received because his life was falling apart, but he wasn't telling anybody. But for some reason at that time, I knew something was wrong, and it was actually a deep prayer to God. I was crying one weekend after my wife and I spent a weekend with him in Connecticut, crying (laughs) that I didn't know how to help him because I knew something was desperately wrong, and he had nobody to turn to. And I begged God to give me the ability to help him and people like him because I knew what it was like to be tormented and to feel bad about yourself, right? So within a week, Suzanne, it was a Steven Spielberg, Cecil B. DeMille movie, okay? Mm. They couldn't make a better movie than with all the things that went on metaphysically and spiritually with me. Uh, From Jesus coming to give me words, um, uh, to spirits all around me, to my head being filled with the world knowledge that I had never known before, with me trancing all of a sudden, um, a guy, Joseph from Canaan, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat Joseph, he mm-hmm. starts speaking through me. And I had been doing that. I'd been trancing for 37 years, even before Esther tranced Abraham, but I did it all privately mm-hmm. and it completely changed my life. It did take me a while before I accepted it because I was so fearful of it. Sure. You know, um, especially know. from where I grew up. Yeah. You know, I was in a, I come from Levittown. Are you familiar with Levittown? Oh, yeah. Like, it's like <laughs> the, the original, it's just, um, yeah, community Levittown, where all the houses right. are alone, alike, right? Yes, absolutely. A track homes. He was the mm-hmm. first track home builder, right? So right, right. I, that was a tiny little town. And we were, you know, totally sheltered from anything metaphysical, spiritual, um, psychic, mediums. I thought they were loonies from California. You know what I mean? And now you are one. (laughs) Now I am one. But I have to tell you, 
it took me a couple of years to accept that I was. I, I didn't want to think that I was going crazy, and I didn't want to say I was psychic because then people would think I was crazy. And this was mm -hmm. back in the early 80s. Wow. So you know what it was like back then. Oh, you were right? you stayed in the closet if you had any awareness of that. Absolutely. And that's exactly where I stayed. So that's why when I did my trancing, it was just from my wife and actually a friend couple and, and a good, really good friend of mine. Um, and that's what we would do is because all this stuff that was happening to me. So I went back to this guy who tormented me and he actually became my first spiritual student, completely turned his life around. He's a spiritual teacher now himself. So the guy wow. who was my worst enemy became the catalyst for my greatest blessing, Suzanne. That's how it happened to me. But really, it's such a testament to you and, and truly your soul. You were sent here to do this work because to be tormented like that and not respond in the normal human way speaks so highly of your soul and how it got through to your human side. There, there's no anger oh, in you at all God. as you recount this. It's gone. No, no, there is. There was never anger, and that was the the most amazing thing behind it. When I look at my life and the and the torment that my parents put me through, and the torment that my kids, uh, the kids in school, put me through, I could have made any other choice. But there was absolutely something with inside of me. But it is all about choices, because yeah. I allowed it at least to go in that direction. And I know so many people go through torments, right? And, mm -hmm. and then they're faced with a path in front of them. Do I take the choice of anger, resentment, and lashing out and, and making everybody else's life miserable? Or do I take the path of, of spiritualness and helping and using my experiences to help everybody? And, and I guess it was, you know, my soul that helped me make the choices, of course, all the divine right? All of the spirits right. on the other side that were probably whispering in my ear, or for me, they were probably yelling at me, you know, because <laughs> I'm so obstinate. But when you prayed, you know, help me, did these abilities really just unfold in, in a sh very short period of time right away? Um, they pretty much did, other than the mediumship, the psychic part came in right away. And then also healing. I started actually as if um, a healing touch um, a therapist and practitioner um, where I would just lay my hands on somebody and I would heal them. That's how I actually got my friend to want to follow everything that was going on in my life because hmm. he was such a skeptic and I instantaneously healed him of what the doctors said would never be healed. So I started that way and then the psychic ability kicked in and I started knowing what people were doing. Um, without them being in my presence, and I would have to call them up and give them warnings. I didn't know how to use it, so the power and the ability was like all over the place, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I was immediately guided. I was told right from the start that I would be guided to the proper training. And mm -hmm. here we are one day, my wife and I, is like, and thank goodness she had been with me since I was 17 years old. Oh, wow. So she knew. Yeah, Exactly. She knew I didn't know any of this stuff we were talking about. And we right. I can just imagine story. the first time you trans-channeled and out comes this, this information oh. that's never come across your lips before. Ty has been there when that happened to me, so I know what, she, what it must have been like for her. Right, exactly. And what was so amazing is my wife has a Jewish background. 
right? And I'm Roman Catholic background. But meanwhile, Joseph, Joseph comes out from Canaan, who is one of the major characters in the Bible, in the Old Testament, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the most interesting thing about that is years later, I found out that that was an essence of me that came through. So I would be more accepting because, number one, I was a very biblical person growing up. I was the altar boy who used to argue with the priest. I was very drawn to the church. I should say God and Jesus and spirituality way before anybody else and, uh, did as children, right? But I would be arguing with the priest, telling them that they're teaching this wrong. But I had no <laughs> idea what they were supposed to teach, but I would be arrogant enough to tell them they were teaching it wrong. My mother used to beat me like anything when she would find out the discussions I had because she was afraid I was cursing the entire Jenna family to hell, you know? <laughs> you, you, you don't question the priests. You just follow them. But I questioned them. So meanwhile, I get this very strong biblical character. Then I'm a musical theater person. I was involved in musical theater. It's what saved my life. I was very talented as a young child. And when I would get on the stage, that applause was Mm. my way of feeling accepted and loved. Uh And so, so I got into it, and I actually thought I was supposed to be a professional singer, actor, and dancer my life. I always wanted a Tony, an Oscar, an Academy, you know, um, uh, an (laughs) Emmy. I thought that's what I was going to get. Meanwhile, I get speaking um, with dead people and and knowing the past, present, and the future. It was crazy (laughs) that was going on. But Joseph was so perfect because it was at the time that there was the musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Hmm. So here I get a biblical character and a musical character, and I'm like, well, that's really cool. I like that. (laughs) Stuart has a sense of humor, but they're also so creative. It's great. Very creative. And they do what they need to make you feel comfortable. Because at the same time that I was feeling crazy, and, and even my wife wasn't sure how to take it, I also felt spiritual and closer to God, mm-hmm. which was really interesting because I had this biblical character who was talking through me and then Jesus would come to me every so often in visions. And I'm like, wow, am I really meant to do this? But you know what I struggled with the most? And this is where most of my work is okay. for people. I didn't know if I was good enough, worthy enough, or deserving enough to be one of these messengers. Oh, I hear that so often. Yeah, right? how'd you get past With that? Everything. Well, I still believe it or not, little Vinny, because of all the torment, and people have to understand this. Look, we go on a spiritual path, we gain all this wonderful information. And that's where my work lies. That's why I went into psychology to get a degree, because I really wanted to know what goes on with the human mind as well. And we hide that torment. We hide the scars from that deep down in the recesses of our mind, right? And feel we're the only ones who feel that way, right? Right, exactly. Exactly. But then we learn all this wonderful material and this wonderful stuff and that if we follow it the right way, everything is going to come out, you know, law law of attraction, all these spiritual principles, everything is going to work. But then a lot of times it doesn't. And it doesn't because 
of what we're really not believing and what we really are believing, which is hidden deep down. So little Vinny will sneak his way through, and as wonderful as things going in my life, he will still say, now you're not good enough. That's not going to happen to you. And I have to be on top of him. And I do talk with him and I do, um, um, I'm very gentle with him, uh, but it's a lot of positive self-talk to constantly rebuild. Because when you go through a lot of torment, that leaves a lot of human scars behind. No doubt. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so many people have gone through that. Their hurts, their pains, their stories. And yeah. so I work on it. Suzanne, I, I really do. It, it, uh, it takes an effort, but it's such a worthy effort. Uh, it makes me um, humble and it keeps me in check. It makes me want to make sure that I'm doing my work the right way. I never want to hurt anybody with the work that I do. Um, I, I love and adore people so much that it thrills me. And you know this, I'm speaking to the choir here. Um, when, when I say that, it, the joy that it brings me when another person's life has been changed, when they see their greatness and their own divinity, right? Isn't that unbelievable? Don't you wish we could bottle that and get that it's to the everybody? It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. Well, you actually, so you actually went back to school to, to get these degrees. Is that right? I did. I did. I got to tell Well, this was at the point where, you know, I was, I was a part-time reader, psychic reader, right? I wasn't even doing the mediumship, even though spirits were coming through, I was making connection, but I wasn't doing anything evidential at all. I would just happen to mention, you know, your mom's here, by the way, and she, mm. because they would come to help me share the message. They would help me with the message I was already giving, right? Nice. And I still didn't want to say I was a psychic, and I wanted more credibility than just being a psychic. I wanted to go deeper because a, a lot of times as a psychic, um, you don't go deep into the emotional part where you open up a can of worms or a Pandora's box because you don't know how to deal with that. So I went back to school to get my psychotherapy degree. It actually um, um, was very um, Providence took over uh, because of the work that I was doing at the time was still in the entertainment field and an automobile accident took me out of that. I couldn't do the work anymore that I was doing. And mm. everybody who was getting these part-time readings from me kept telling me, why don't you go back to school and become a psychotherapist? I get more help from you than my own therapist. <laughs> and I said, my wife turned around and said, that's a great idea. Why don't you do that? Now, I had no schooling. So at 39 years old with two children... And um, I went back to school full time. So my wife completely supported a family of four. And we were scraping by for seven years. No kidding. So that I, yeah, absolutely. I got my bachelor's in psychology and my master's in clinical social work. I finished in 1999. Um, it was actually wonderful because there you see at um, right before dinner time, my, my daughter, my young daughter, my young son and I were sitting at the kitchen table and we're doing homework. And it was hysterical <laughs> because my daughter was taking Spanish at the same time I was taking Spanish. So she would help me with my homework. I would help her with her homework. That is great. So it, it drew us together. 
but yes, but afterwards, and, and so I became a psychotherapist, okay? The, the supervisors that I had and all the work that I did, they would constantly be uh, complimenting me on, boy, Vince, you have such a sixth sense mm-hmm. when it comes to this because you're able to diagnose people within five minutes of meeting them. <laughs> what, that's just a special gift. And I'm sitting there, you know, knowing, oh, my gosh, that's the psychic part of me. But I'm not about mm-hmm. ready to tell him, oh, I'm I'm using my psychic ability rather than my my schooling right now. Right. Um, you know, you don't do that. Right? I would so so you became there. a psychotherapist. But do you now refer to yourself as a psychic therapist? I do, because, first of all, I'm not licensed anymore i didn't want to hold on to the license because you always have to follow their rule and regulations when you do that so legally and legitimately i cannot call myself a psychotherapist and i don't want to do psychotherapy because it's completely different sure but psychic therapy is i can go in there and and this is the reason why i even left the field because since i had to follow their regulations I had to sit with people knowing exactly what their problem was, but waiting until they came up with it. And so week after week after mm-hmm. week of me going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and how did that make you feel? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, this is crazy. They're wasting money. We're wasting time. You know, if a person right here. to get to their – Yeah, Exactly. If a person's able to get to their own answers, they would have done it a long time ago. If, if, I, if I give them the answer of their problem, they're the ones that still have to do the work on it. So I dropped that, went right into being a psychic. And yes, I can. a person sits in front of me, I can immediately tell them, okay, this is what happened back when you were four, when you were five, when you were 14, 19 years old. There's where the scar lies. So now let's start working on releasing that, bringing it to the surface, and here's the, 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 the way you can deal with that. Oh, mom's here now, and I give evidence with that because I wanted to, as a psychotherapist, we had to go for uh, continuing education credits, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to constantly take classes to keep up my license. Well, as a psychic medium, where do you go to keep up your, your experience, right? So I Arthur Finley College. <laughs> there you go. I went to Arthur Finley College. I even studied with James Van Frog first, which mm-hmm. was really interesting. He's the one who got me started studying. And hey, then, Vincent, um, if I could, if I could yeah. interrupt you a minute, you have your own show with Unity Online. You know we have to go to a break halfway through here. So we've come upon oh, that yeah. time now. I want to hear more about how you became the, the trained psychic therapist. So all of you, I hope you'll come back and join us in three minutes. We're talking with Vincent Jenna, and it is just fascinating. See you in a few minutes. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. 
experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hey, everybody. We are having a great time talking with Vincent Jenna. He uses his psychic and therapeutic gifts to transform and heal others by empowering them to stop stopping themselves and instead unlock unlock and release their passion and purpose. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. First, I just a quick shout out. I want to say hi to Robin and Jenny and Vicki who are listening right now together. My dear friends, just some very faithful listeners, just like all of you who just give me feedback all the time that you enjoy the show. And as long as I keep getting wonderful guests like Vincent, we'll just keep doing the show. Vincent, you were talking about going to study with James Van Prague and over to Arthur Finley College. Did you go back so that you could get the evidence from those people who were showing up in your sessions? Absolutely. I wanted to perfect, because I'm going so deep within a human, I felt responsible, totally responsible for being able to improve my abilities. And the only way that I could do that is by studying with some of the best tutors and mediums out there. So that's why I went to Arthur Findlay. I mean, got some world-renowned tutors. And I was learning such incredible... I went there telling them, yes, I know mediumship, but I'm coming here as a blank slate because I respect everything you do, and I want to learn, and I want to hear what you have to say. And at the end, they told me I was a completely different student than the Mm. majority of their students over there because I was so open and so willing to hear what they had to say and then apply it that it was so profound I couldn't believe what was coming out of me and the evidence that was coming along and how quickly it came about because my intention was so pure and good. And now I use that to also help me again, go dive deep within all my client's psyche. Um, and, And I get that the universe brings to me and guides to me a lot of people that really need some deep help. So right. you call yourself the tell-it-like-it-is psychic therapist. Would you expand on that, please? Absolutely. You know, we're in a world today that, okay, it's nice to have the touchy-feely help and holding by the hand, right? But mm-hmm. we need to be in a place where we have to uh, maybe shake things up a bit because of all the suffering that is going on in the world today and with people. And the way I put it is, let's say you and I are walking down the streets of Manhattan, and I happen to look up and I see a piano being moved from the 40th floor to maybe a floor above it, but the rope breaks and the piano is now falling towards your head. I have one of three choices at that given moment. One, I can run like hell across the street and turn around and say, sucker, that is your karma, not mine, I'm out of here. Right? <laughs> 
Or two, I can take it the touchy-feely way and say, excuse me, excuse me, I don't mean to interfere in your life, and I'm really not judging and wanting to tell you what to do, but by the time I get that intro out, the piano is splashed them, and smacked them on the head already. Mm-hmm. Or three, I grab them by the shoulders and I throw them out of the way of the piano. Now, in the process of doing that, they may fall, they may sprain their wrist or break their ankle, but I feel I've saved them in some way. So I ask my clients right away, how do you want me to deal with you? And 100% of them say, grab me by the shoulders and throw me out of the way because they needed that. You know, now not everybody does need that. Sure, but, but I I, you're probably set up that certain that. clients come to you, they're nudged by their own higher selves, even if they don't realize it. Absolutely, and that's the arrangement that I have, and I tell them that right from the get-go. I tell them that uh, you because it, it's, it's, it's all part of the, the plan, and the soul knows what's going to be happening, right? And the universe knows, and absolutely. I mean, otherwise, if they can't handle it, they would send the person to somebody else who's, um, you know, a little bit more gentle. And it's not that I'm not gentle. I'm, I do it in a very loving way. I get a lot of humor. Um, Can you give us an example? Just give me a hypothetic, uh, hypothetic client where you combine the psychic stuff, maybe a little mediumship and tell it like it is. I'd love to hear what that's like. Ooh, wow. Okay. So, so I'll bring one of the clients um, that I had. It was um, a, a woman and her husband that came to me. And we were talking about the background, and I make light of things and joke with the client right away, right from the beginning. She comes from New York and Italian background, and I was like, oh, this is fun and sweet. You know, um, a pasta, you know, as soon as I think of my grandmother, I got pasta, right? And we go into her background. And once I, I, I kind of broke the ice with her, um, I had her mother come in but before your mother wanted me to introduce her she said tell her what she needs to hear and i turned around straight forward to her and i said you're gonna die in six months if Whoa. you do not take care of yourself starting oh. today okay <laughs> okay right yeah. right exactly because no because i just I taught my students never. yesterday i will never tell somebody i see they're going to die but i get what you're saying if you don't right. turn I would things never around. tell them unless, first of all, the other arrangement that I have, I wouldn't see anybody's death unless they could do something about it because there's no purpose in me seeing right. something that, no, that they can't help. But literally, I was told, and her mother told me to tell it like that, and I said, you have diabetes, don't you? And she said, yes. And I said, and it's really bad, and you've done nothing for your diabetes. Um, a matter of fact, you, you're, you're constantly eating sweets. Your husband is constantly trying to stop you, and mm. you are not doing. The doctor's already told you that, that you have um, severe diabetes, and yet you are not loving yourself enough to take that step. And I'm hearing now her mother starts giving me evidence. I said, your mother is here. And her mother wanted to take some responsibility for why she's not nurturing herself because the mother wasn't around. And so she gave me significant evidence. So between me telling her and the mother telling her, okay, we hit the problem. And I said, but here's the thing. 
None of this is meant to happen. The moment you leave from here, you're turning things around because you now will begin to love yourself. And that is the only reason why you haven't been taking care of yourself. Well, she was in tears crying. And she said to me, thank you. And a husband was crying and said, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Everybody babies her so much. Not even her own doctor told her that you could die. And she said, then you putting it that way to me just shook me and made me say and made me feel, no, I don't want to die. I'm going to do something about it. And she's contacted me since. She's completely reversed the diabetes. She has done marvelous things. And, of course, it was deeper than that with more details. But sometimes it it comes out that shocking. I was – this is why I learned that. When I was a psychotherapist, part of my experience is I was a hospice social worker. So I worked with over 500 patients during their dying process. And Mm -hmm. I worked in North Carolina. And the problem with North Carolina is that because there's research in, in the health institute, it's great in North Carolina. But a lot of the doctors are more about researching and trying to do everything they can to keep the patient alive. Once they're dying, they just push them aside. But they also don't tell them that they're dying. So when you're on hospice, you have to have a prognosis of at least six months or less to live. Now, of course, you can go beyond that, and they don't kick you off a hospice. (laughs) But at prognosis, these patients are supposed to know that that's the reason why they're going on hospice, and they don't tell them. Sometimes the nurses don't even tell them. I was the only one that told these patients, Do you, were you told that you are dying? Yeah. And they said, absolutely not. They told me that this is reversible. I said, you would not be on hospice if this is reversible. And every single one of them thanked me for having the courage to, to tell me. Now, did you have your mediumistic skills at that time? Yes. Oh, yes. I had all my at that. I did. They weren't as developed, but I did have them um, because Mm -hmm. I did see their souls cross over. Um, Some of them, I was even I was I was helping them feel comfortable connecting with the spirits that came. Their moms, their dads, their loved ones. They always get a familiar. Um, person that's in spirit coming to them to help them cross over because it's a a little shocking process to leave the human body, right? Mm -hmm. They don't know exactly what's going on. That's why they hover and they stay on the earth plane for a little bit um, until they become acclimated to their energy body now. But they always have a loved one that is familiar because that makes them feel comfortable. So I would see them and help them with that connection. They would look to me. I'd be able to tell their loved ones, she's leaving now. She's gone. She's out of the body. Don't, don't, the body is, is maybe in the dying process right now and, and gurgling and all of this, but her soul is out of the body. And so, so don't worry about it. She's okay that way. Because that was their biggest concern is, is mom suffering? Is dad suffering? Is my husband suffering? And our souls do step out, you know, um, so not to always experience that. So it was a very beautiful experience to be able to have that and give that to them. And then so many of my 
own patients came back to me to thank mm. me for helping them. From across the veil. And so, yes. From, oh, from that's across so cool. the veil, they would come to me. I would, it, it would just, I, it was only on my own and it was for my purpose, which I thought was so wonderful. It wasn't even tell my daughter I'm doing fine. It was to come to me to thank me for the time I spent with them, mm. how I eased their pain before they died and ease their emotional distress, and then was there for them when they crossed over. So I just, I've received so much proof myself in that way, um, with, with such in beautiful details. Um, so Vincent, that, you know, let me, let me, let me interrupt it. you here to ask you, do you see them objectively out in front of you in the room, or do you become aware of just a presence and you know, or do you see them in your mind's eye? How does that work for you? Because it's different for all mediums. All Yes, all of the above. Um, hmm. Sometimes they appear objectively outside of me, and I just see them briefly standing there. Um, nice. Ones that I know closely tend to do that. Um, and, and the majority then of my clients' spirits, their moms, their loved ones, will come subjectively um, with an occasional standing, oh, I see your mother standing behind you. And it's always when... The client has been feeling them all day long, or mm -hmm. I felt my mother was standing on my left side holding my shoulder. And I would validate that before they even said that, right? I said, oh, your mother's standing there. She's got her hand on your left shoulder. It's, oh, my God, that's what I was feeling all day long. Nice. So I will get that. I do get the knowing. I do get the hearing. Um, and I get the sensing. The other thing that I allow myself and allow them is I allow myself to feel the spirit's emotions. Um, that tends to help me bring them a little bit more alive and closer sure. to them. That is um, part of the, the um, well, I say compliments, I guess, that I've received in the work that I do, especially when I do an event in gallery readings, is that everybody will say, you made the spirit seem so alive for me again. Like yeah. he was standing right there and here, I, I you know, I, I feel really good being able to do that. That's why I want to keep improving my skills, mm -hmm. you know, no better feeling. So, yep. Right, right. There's no better feeling. So I use all of that because because we have body, mind and spirit. I, I, a lot of times when we get into metaphysics and we get into spirituality, we stay with the spirit. And maybe we'll work on the body, but we don't always include the psychological things that go on. Yes, the healing and the loving and the, um, and the closure, that is emotional, obviously. But I'm talking about some of the deep-set emotional things that go on mm -hmm. within a person, that dark space within them, right? We, we tend to forget what the mind does that gets in the way of things. So because I went back to school, I incorporate both. As a matter of fact, when I went to Arthur Finley and I was doing readings, I was doing platform demonstrations as a student. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, all of the details that were coming out, it was all to help some block that the recipient was having in his or her life. And it became very deep, very emotional. And the students even asked the tutors, and I'm talking about Tony Stockwell and some of the most famous tutors over there. Mm -hmm. They were asking them, are we supposed to do readings like Vince? Because I don't know if I can go there. And they said, no, 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 no. Listen to me, okay? 
you don't need to go there. The only reason why Vince can go there is because he has the training to deal with what comes up. He has the training to go there. But no, as a medium, we're, we're, we're making, we're giving them pieces of evidence so that they have uh, no question and no doubt that spirit is there, that life is continuing. It gives them comfort. And, and that's the only place that you need to go. Let, he's going where he can go. Don't you worry about going there. Because people were getting these experiences and, and not just crying because mom was there, but they were yeah. crying because they released something from their youth, their past, their childhood. And mom helped them do that. And dad helped them do that. And their, their partner helped them do that, as well as the psychic stuff. So that's where I use my skills um, to help move people along. And I know a lot of other mediums. So I've heard you, and, and I know that even in the work that you do, we're doing a lot of the similar stuff, but we come at it from different ways. Yeah, you know I love I mean? how you're using and, it with your, your psychotherapy work. Of course, not right. technically because we talked about the licensing, but tell me about clearly as a psychic, you can tell when your clients are not being truthful with you. So how do you handle that? Oh. Oh, no, that's the best part of it. They can lie to every therapist out there, okay? But yeah. they can't lie to me because <laughs> the moment they, te they go there, and they don't always know they're lying, Suzanne. That's the thing, <laughs> right? Their unconscious part is being protected and blocked. So mm. they don't see what they're really believing. So when somebody turns around and says, when am I going to get a, my relationship? My relationship, they keep, I keep getting the wrong person and they keep breaking apart and, and um, there's nobody around that, that, that is worthy anymore. And I said, no, 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 that's not the problem. The problem is, is you don't believe you're lovable. Oh, yes, I believe I'm lovable. Of course I do. I said, no, you can't lie to a psychic and don't argue with one. So <laughs> I see inside of you and then I go and I I give the details and I said now do you see where that's coming from do you really think that you're thinking you that you deserve love of course you're not thinking that right now and and I totally get it and understand it do you get it now and it's it's like a deer in headlights because for the first time they see Mm -hmm. what they're believing that they didn't know they believed because it was so hidden for the longest time it's beautiful. And so that's what I do for them. And, and, you know, the problems and the negativity that we have about ourselves isn't so bad because none of it is true, right? Yeah. We harbor those feelings of I'm not good enough, I'm not deserving enough, I'm not worthy enough. None of that is true. But even in psychotherapy, the major reason why people don't go for therapy is because they're afraid to find out their deepest fears about themselves are true, that they mm. aren't worthy, that they mm. aren't good enough. So they stop. And sometimes when they're in therapy, they end the therapy because we're going so deep, they don't want to go past their defense mechanisms and coping skills. But as a psychic, I can take them there and I can take them there within an hour. 
And they go there with me because then when, when the spirit comes along and I'm giving them evidence and, they, and they're trusting that and I'm validating that for them and I'm, and I'm gaining credibility with what I'm doing, they go there with me. I'm holding them by the hands. They finally see and going, oh, my God, is, is that what's getting in the way? I said, no, your feeling of unworthiness isn't really getting in your way. What has blocked you is your defense mechanism that's keeping you from seeing you felt that way. Hmm. Now that you know you feel that way, they're saying, well, that's ridiculous. Of course I'm worthy. Okay, now tell you that. There you and go. that's all you have to keep doing. Tell yourself that, that you're not worthy. But people don't see our brain, and this is the psychological part that a lot of people don't understand. The two is high, highest functions of the human brain is one, to keep us alive, and two, to protect us. Protect us, yeah. It, it, that's how it keeps us alive. Well, it protects us emotionally, too. It will create a whole new set of beliefs to shield your original set of beliefs. So I go in there to get their original set of beliefs out. Now they're unblocked and they're cleared and they can start manifesting because they're working off a true set of beliefs. And I, I kind of put it like this, what a lot of spiritual concepts and precepts do or the interpretation of those precepts is if you took a whiteboard and you wrote on the whiteboard every negative self-feeling and experience you have, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what your mind has etched in it. Now take beautiful affirmations and pictures of bunnies and flowers and paste them on the whiteboard. Kind of that's what people are using spirituality. They're taking pretty pictures and pretty affirmations that say, I'm loving, I'm good enough. And they're pasting them now on the whiteboard. And mm -hmm. have they gotten rid of the negative comments and beliefs below the pictures? I would no, say no. They only covered them up. Mm -hmm. So your and business card says, one. I unlock and release your passion and purpose and provide the key that makes everything you attempt work. Can you share that key in just a minute or two, or is, it, is that the subject yes, of I your can. new book oh, that's coming out? Actually, it is a new book that's coming out, and I'm Yay. waiting for it to come out. I'm waiting for it to be published, but it is. But I'll give the key. If you took the greatest ingredients in order to bake a cake, unless you did the most important thing first, you will never get the ingredients to turn into the cake. What is always at the top, the number one piece of instruction before you even put together the cake in any recipe? It oh says preheat the oven. The heat is what turns the ingredients into the cake. Self-belief and self-love is what turns anything you are practicing or attempting to apply in your life, turns it into fruition. It is the only process that works. Without it, I don't care how many ingredients you have. I don't care how many books you've read, seminars you've gone to. None of it works. Until you believe in and love yourself and turn up that heat. That's I hear, I hear my guide Brenda going, ding, ding, ding. That's it. That's it. Everybody listen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank your guides for me. <laughs> 
Wow. And you're helping so many people to find that. That's the beautiful part. So you want to just give us a teaser about your new book and when's it going to be out? Oh, gosh. I have no idea when it's going to be out. I'm still trying to find a publisher for it. Actually, they're loving it, but they're not willing yet. They don't know because there's a lot of memoir in it. It's called God, It's Not Working, um, uh, which I I love. It's what everybody says when after they're applying all of their principles and everything, they end up saying, God, it's still not working, right? Um, (laughs) But, but it's, it's, it, it will be out soon. I hope so. But a lot of, I, I do have workshops on it already um, online. They can go and they can see my workshop um, at the store. It's called God, It's Not Working. Another workshop is Stop Stopping Yourself and Become Unstoppable. That's a very powerful one. That's where I really bring people down. Um, I did that workshop in Kripalu this past December. And what do you mean you me bring people down? I bring people down to their deepest, deepest, darkest level to bring to the surface that stuff that we were just talking about, the real feelings they have about themselves. We do it in a workshop, um, um, safe environment as a group so that other people are going through the same thing. And they're sitting there going, oh, my gosh, I never believe I'd never realized I still had that in me. Holy cow, I can I can change my life now. I know what to do. Um, I know what I need to change. They just, it, it's its all aha moments for everybody because they've gone so many years in their lives hiding that stuff, but yet they have the stories and they remember the stories. If you ask a person what you went through in your childhood, they will instantaneously bring that right to the surface. Right, Suzanne? <laughs> they, can, they can bring all those memories. Yeah. But yeah. now oh, yeah. ask them, how do you feel about all of that stuff. And they always say, oh, well, I've worked through it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I tell them, oh, well, of course you work through it. And otherwise you would have made even worse choices that you made right now, but you're not getting everything that you want because there's still scars there and you're not paying attention to the residuals and the scars and what's really deep down. So That's with less than a minute to, to go, Vincent, what's your final piece of advice for people about this? You have to believe in yourself and love yourself first. You have to commit to yourself. You have to have the integrity, the commitment, and the congruence, as a friend of mine says, in order to go after your life, it's the most important work to do is go deep within to get to know who you really are so that you can finally love yourself, believe in yourself, nurture yourself, and see your magnificence and divinity, and everything else in your life will be guided to you, and you will make the law of attraction work way more than you ever expected. Perfect. Thank you. Do it now, not when you cross the veil. We've been enjoying this talk with Vincent Jenna, his website, vincentjenna.com. Thank you so much. You've just really enlightened oh my us God, today. Suzanne, thank you so much. You're, you're definitely a living angel here. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.